Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode 60 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how are you doing today, brother? Doing really good. You know, it's uh, a good day. We've got a heat wave here in Minnesota, so it's uh, in the 30s Yeah, now. upper 30s. Yeah. They're killing Ooh. it right now. Yeah, it's, you, can't, you can't beat it. It is it is a heat wave. I'm even wearing shorts today. Yeah. So you know I've I'm officially a Minnesotan. I haven't grown up in Tennessee for you know 24 years, and then moving up to the northern regions of the United States, my blood has finally got thick enough that I can wear shorts in the winter. Yeah. Someday you'll get to our our old uh, worship pastor's point and just wearing uh, <laughs> flip flops in the winter. Yep. Uh, every day in the winter. Uh, Pastor Joel, shout out to you for that. Yeah, but, man, uh, I miss that guy. You know, he he was my gauge for when I should start wearing a winter coat. Yeah. <laughs> so when when Joel switched from shorts to pants, I knew it was time to get a winter coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was uh, that was solid process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how you doing, man? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, you know, things things are good. Actually, here this this Friday. So, well, by the time you guys listen to this, this will have already happened, and I'm sure it was a great time. But I got my my sister Abby and her friend Maddie, who are uh, her Christmas present to me was to watch our kids overnight so that we could go to uh, a hotel and, and stay just the two of us and going out on a, a gift card from Buddy Jordan for, for Christmas as well uh, for uh, for dinner. So really just looking forward to uh, that time of uh, not getting woken up in the middle of the night uh, a bunch <laughs> from our, our kids. So it's the, the little things, man. Oh, but yeah. uh, I am looking forward to this and I totally understand why parents value that that alone time so much so uh yeah i am i'm ecstatic for this weekend and i uh, can't wait that's that's great but uh we want to get right into this jackie we have uh this is going to be maybe a tough topic for some one that you know i think continually gets blasted for the church not talking about it enough now i'm thankful in my sphere of influence and and growing up that it was talked about a little bit more but i know for many that it it wasn't and and that topic is pornography. And what we want to talk about today is why porn is a bigger problem than you probably think that it is. Yep. So just to, uh, as we start off with the definition of what exactly that is, uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary, it says this, it's printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. Yeah, and that definition comes from uh, the Oxford Dictionary. And one of the things that uh, me and you were talking about before the show is just how it really misses the mark. I mean, the yeah. first part of that's really good. The second part, the intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional, implying that as long as it does those things, it would be okay, right? Yeah. Which is not true at all. Um, the last part of that definition is is a, secularly, a secular worldly definition. And it misses the mark because any of that stuff mm-hmm. is uh, is wrong. Um, and we're getting to see why, but... Even if it's you know just art, it's more yeah, than just for the art. beauty, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's more than that. So it's not just aesthetic or emotional. Well, if it's just emotional and not um, explicit, you know, looking to stimulate erotic, mm-hmm. then it then it wouldn't be. But it it 
it really is any of that can fit in that category. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So we, we want to kick off with some statistics coming at you, uh, particularly from Covenant Eyes, which is an internet accountability website, and also some from uh, Fight the New Drug, which is a uh, an anti-porn website as well that that brings some of these stats that, that we found. But looking at Covenant Eyes, one that some of you guys may be very familiar with, uh, we wanted to read their uh, their mission verse, I, I guess, yeah, so to speak. It's what the, this it's this what is the, what they believe in. It's what, what their it's program based is based off, yeah. Yeah, and that's Job 31.1, and it says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze at a virgin? So this is this is kind of the verse that they hold to as to why they do what they do. And of course, that that gazing part, I mean, their their program is set up so that you can't look at uh, you know, sexually explicit material and, and things like that. I, I've known my, you know, I've used that in the past. I know friends that currently use it, and it's a, a very solid program. But some of these stats may shock you. So here we go. First, over twenty-eight thousand people are watching porn every second. Every second, twenty-eight thousand people are watching porn. Wow. Twenty percent of mobile searches are for pornography. Thirty-five percent of all internet downloads are pornography. And even in the church, 64% of Christian men say they watch porn at least once a month. Mm. So this is not just a secular issue, not just outside the walls of the church, but in, in fact, very prevalent even within the church. Yeah. And, and I, I saw a statistic uh, by Barna, Christian Research, even that said that uh, 80% of all Christian men at some point will engage in porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, that, and that's something that, that I wasn't even immune to. Like as a teenager, that's something I struggled yeah, with. Same. And um, so it's just, it's prevalent and it's crazy how widespread it is, but be, be ready guys. Cause and gals out there, because we have some even more shocking statistics. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing to keep in mind about these statistics is most of these are based on surveys where it's expected that people an- answer honestly. So there, there may be some where people don't answer honestly. And these numbers could be even higher than what we think. But looking at the uh, the youth side of things, on average, the first exposure among men to porn is 12 years old, according to this. But this was back in 2006. A lot of these stats are from, I think you and I were talking, and it's even lower down around that nine or 10 years old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking fourth, fifth grade is the average exposure. Um, according to a London report, 53% of boys and 40% of girls reported that they believe porn was a realistic depiction of sex. Mm. Wow. Over, so almost 50% boys and girls, they think that whatever you see on that screen, that is what sex is going to be. Right. And that's, that's sad. And it also, I believe it implies that at least that percentage is seeing it. Yeah. Yep. So I would maybe more than that. Mm-hmm. According to a 2020 survey, so a lot more recent, about 45% of teens who consumed porn did so in part to learn about sex. So now you're, you're seeing instead of being taught at home, or from your parents about and what sex worldview, is and a yep. biblical worldview, you have almost 50% of teenagers who would admit that they were, they were looking at that to see how they're supposed to do it or what it's supposed to look like, um, which is not a, not a good way to do that. No. Uh, another shocking one, 88% of porn scenes contain acts of physical aggression. Mm. Almost nine out of 10 porn scenes contain acts of physical aggression. Right. And that, and that explains I a lot when you have so many teenagers that are, they believe this stuff is actually true. This is the way yeah. it's supposed to be. And it's not mm-hmm. right. And they believe and they're, and they're watching it to learn about this stuff. Yeah. It explains why we have so much, um, sexual abuse and sexual assault and all these things that are happening today. Um, 
at a, at a pretty high rate uh, considered yeah. even in the past. And part of that may be due to reporting and whatnot, but it makes a lot of sense. This is what they're learning and they believe that this is what's normal and right. Yep. Yeah. And you, you have 15, 16 year olds feeling like, you know, sex experts because they've seen so much of it, but it's, right. but to, to your point, it is it's not at all the way and, that it's supposed to be. And the acts be. of aggression and the way that it, it devalues the other person yep. and it, 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 it just, yeah, it, it's a problem. So a few more for you. According to data from the SEM Rush traffic analytics tool, as of May 2021, porn sites received more web traffic in the U.S. than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. So what? We, yeah, we that that one floored me. <laughs> we know social media is a big issue and everybody's on it. But the fact that that got more web traffic than all of those shows how much more prevalent that is yeah, and, and how much absolutely. more it's used. Uh, that is insane to me. I mean, Netflix and Twitter... Then you had Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. What? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's mind-boggling. Now about the money. It's global revenues estimated around $97 billion with about $12 billion coming from the U.S. Just for perspective in the U.S., that is about what the NFL brings in every year. We know how big the NFL is in advertising mm-hmm. with viewership and all of that. Pornography matches that every year. And globally, it is almost a $100 billion business. Yeah. So which, this will exist as long as people are putting the money into it and a means of making money just in an awful, terrible way. Right. And because of the money, it leads to this next part, the last thing we're going to share. Yeah. The, here's this one. The UK-based nonprofit Internet Watch Foundation works globally to identify, remove, and disrupt online child sexual abuse material. Now, in 2019, that IFW assessed 132,676 URLs or websites that they could confirm offered access to porn that was the result of human trafficking. 132,676 different websites that could confirm offered access to porn that was the result of human trafficking. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which serves as the clearinghouse for child pornography reports in the U.S., receives an average of 1 million reports each month. That's Wow. That's bone chilling. Yeah. So just looking at this stuff, it's clear. Porn is a way bigger problem than I think a lot of us realize. Yeah, this is, I think it's one of those deals where, especially, you know, when we look at young kids and how early kids are exposed to it, you believe this thought that, well, it's just me. I'm just, you know, it's not hurting anybody else. It's just me alone with my phone or computer. No one's around, right? I don't know these people. Like we have all of these uh, excuses we use, but these are the real numbers, uh, and, and this still doesn't even get to how it impacts, you know, marriages and, and divorces and how much that's accredited yep. to, which it is also and on the Covenant Eyes website that you can find. Yeah, intimacy at. and marriage. Yep. I mean, expectations, I think depression, abuse, there's so many things that, that stem from this. So where we want to start, now that we've laid all that out there, I, I hope it's very clear to you. And go look up these statistics. They're all over the place that you can find uh, that, that are even, you know, broader than these. Yeah. And, and. These are more the PG realm. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, th- there's there's some more stuff out there. So you know, parental guidance. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. You're on risk. Yeah. But we want to start looking through the you know the biblical worldview of of why porn is a bigger deal than you think. Why it's a bigger problem than you think. And we want to start with First Thessalonians four three through four, which says this: For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So as we, that's kind of our kickoff to this whole episode. This is what God's will is for us, that we would be made holy, be sanctified. And that being to abstain from sexual immorality and controlling our body in holiness and honor. So keep that in uh, just the overall umbrella over this episode as we uh, get into 
addressing pornography uh, specifically from God's point of view. Right, because this is God's will for us that we would stay away from this. Yep. And so we're going to lay out the case why it is sexually immoral and how it's a sin in specific ways. So first, pornography is a sin against God. Uh, Exodus 20, thir- uh, 3 through 4, here in the Ten Commandments, it says, You shall not make for yourself an idol of any likeness of what is in heaven above or the earth beneath or in water under the sun. You shall not worship them or serve them. So pornography is a violation of the second commandment, and then it starts to idolize people. Um, primarily, it's idolizing the, the female body, not even the person itself, but the body and the gratification of self and that over God. So it becomes an idol. It's a violation of the seventh commandment found in Exodus twenty fourteen. Jesus talks about it in Matthew five twenty eight when he says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's a violation of the do not commit adultery command, which makes it a sin against God. And it also is a violation of the tenth commandment, Exodus twenty, verse seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant or female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And it's an issue of coveting, uh, of, of desiring that jealous desire to have something that someone else has. Um, you want that for yourself. And so it, it is a violation clearly of all those commands, which makes it a sin against God, but it's more than that. Mm-hmm. In, in 1 Corinthians 6, 13, we, we see this. It says, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. But the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, this is about um, our body itself. God has given it to us as believers to g- give it back to him. That's right. right. And so engaging with sexual immorality uh, in a way, you know, because that's not what God would will for us. Now, that that's a problem because we're sinning against God's body, not our body. It's right? His. You know, the, that's right. the my body, my choice, right? That, that exactly. movement, well, what God is saying is, no, it's... It's my body. Yeah. Uh, and and, my and so it should be my do. choice. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, uh, so we got to keep that in perspective. Good word there, brother. And then continuing on just a few verses later in still in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So again, just that same principle reinforced there at the end of that uh, section. And then all the way back to Genesis 1, 17. As we look at the the Imago Dei, or this being made in the image of God, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And why we included this verse is because, you know, this the way that God created us to be was with a certain function, a certain purpose, and to view one another in the way that God views us, which is in his own image. Right. So when we're watching other people um, perform all sorts of sexual acts on a screen and objectifying them, uh, as a means to a it selfish end, this, yeah. it, it completely disregards who God made them to be. And I mean, them even engaging that in that, uh, although some it's not willingly, as we talked about the human trafficking, um, but all around that it is going against what God has um, willed for man to be. Right. The, the human body is designed to glorify God mm-hmm. um, it, it, because, you know, we're creating his image. And, and this inst- and what pornography does is it glorifies self and, and such uh, sinful, selfish desires rather than God, and so it manipulates the body in that way. And it ultimately uh, is taking what God, the first command God gave, which is be fruitful and multiply, multiply which uh, necessitates that you have sex and with your husband or wife and, mm-hmm. and have children. The, the, the idea here is that porn totally disregards that, and what Satan does, he perverts it, and yeah. he makes 
he makes that intimacy in marriage. He he, he gives a, a a counterfeit that an gratifies self, yeah. and and it doesn't do what God had designed it to do. And so it's it's a sin against God. Um, not only that, but pornography is also a sin against others. Hebrews thirteen four says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all." And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And what you see there is the reason why this is a sin against others, and as you read between the lines there a little bit, is that pornography ultimately is exploiting either your future spouse, or if you're married, you're sinning against your spouse. If you're not married, someone else's future spouse could, you know, and, and so all these things you're sinning and, and you're not keeping the marriage bed undefiled. Mm-hmm. Um, you are making yourself one with someone else, and uh, it is um, immoral. It's adulterous. The Bible would call it fornication. Mm-hmm. And so this sexual immorality, and, and so it disregards the sanctity of marriage and the way that God has set that apart to be an honoring thing to him, and it, it totally sins against your your future spouse or someone else's future spouse. Yeah, and just because of the way that, that pornography is designed, too, it's not one of those things you can just categorize. Like if, right. if, you're, if you're married— that stuff comes with you. It's yeah. it, you. You bring it into the marriage. Bed, yes. Um. Yep. Uh, you know, against the the will of your your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're you're bringing that against them. Absolutely. And if you're married and you're doing this, because like he says, well, I I'm not you know, being unfaithful to my my wife or my husband, but no, you you are. Yeah. You are. Um. You're being unfaithful emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um. You're being unfaithful. Um. In in so many ways, and so it is a sin against others. And Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, pornography is the opposite of that. Or I mean, it's, it, is it is about selfishness. It is empty conceit, and it's specifically about serving myself more than others yeah. or giving into my, my passions or my, my desires and my flesh whenever I want. I agree. Pornography is absolutely the opposite of the principle that Philippians 2, 3 is getting at. Mm-hmm. And then Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Uh, talking about the this, the greatest commandment, and then specifically now the second greatest commandment says the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So pornography is a violation of the second greatest commandment because you're not loving. What I mean, I think as we just talked about, whether it's your spouse, future spouse, um, fiance, you know, whatever that, that relationship yeah. is. But then even the the people that you're you're watching. I mean, you're, you're not treating them with love and with honor at all as you're just engaging, again, in a very selfish, gratifying, sinful um, act. And so definitely not loving your neighbor as, as yourself as God would have us to do. Right. It's loving yourself instead of your neighbor. Yep. Um, and then pornography is also a sin against yourself. First uh, Peter 2, 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Now, this is a battle against you. And so when you engage in these things, it's really just a destruction of yourself yeah. as well. So it's a sin against God. It's a sin against others. And you're sinning against yourself and you're harming yourself in what you're doing. Um, you, you're, you're causing yourself emotional, relational, spiritual, uh, physical harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In first Corinthians eight, six, 18, as we, kind of go back to go back to the well here that we talked about in one of the prior sections. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So mm-hmm. we know, you know, with those verses, it's a clearly sin against God because it's God's body. But God has given us that body um, in, this, in this life, in this world, to use for his glory. And when we are sexually immoral, it's, we're bringing destruction 
and consequences on our own body. And I mean, you see that, I mean, in a very practical ways, like, um, you know, STDs and with, you know, un, unplanned pregnancies and, and things like that, that come up that bring all sorts of other destruction with them. But again, you brought it up earlier. I think when you can't just have a sexual interaction and it just be one and done and you're gone and you never think about it again, like that right. you connect yourself, that one fleshness, you put yourself with someone else. So when you engage in that, and then rip that apart. You're sinning against yourself again, again uh, to to other people as well. But you can't walk away from that with, you know, no attachment. It doesn't. God did not design it to be that way. No matter how much our world, our secular world, tries to push that narrative, it does not work that way. Right. And I think that's one reason why it's prevalent in the church as well is because we buy that lie. And, yeah. and a lot of times, the people in the church are like, well, I'm not actually doing something. I'm just watching. Yeah. Something. But Jesus made it clear, the heart, the thoughts, and the mind, those affect things. And so you commit adultery with someone even if you just have lust in your heart toward them. Mm-hmm. And that's why Proverbs 6, 32 and 33 uh, makes it clear as we wrap up this section. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and disgrace and will not be wiped. His disgrace will not be wiped away. So there's just this idea that it, it, is, it causes you so much harm. It's harming other people. So it's a sin against God. It's a sin against other people. It's a sin against yourself. It's, it's the trifecta of sin. Yeah. And uh, we, we try to rationalize it, but there's no rationalization for it. No. So I think we've established that porn is clearly a bigger problem than many think, even within the church, and why it needs to be addressed. But what we want to transition to now is how to fight it. Because you know, I, I've walked through uh, the sinful addiction of pornography through my teenage years. I've walked with yep, other with other people through it, and this is not just a, a, a man's issue. It is both men and women that deal yep. with it. It just uh, you know, there's seems more socially acceptable for men, or, or however you want to say it. But um, everyone can struggle with this. So we want to look at how to fight it because we don't want to just leave you in in your shame of of sin, but but help to fight out of it because that's ultimately the goal. As we um, you know, are, are growing in our faith. Yeah. And just a side note too, um, parents, uh, make sure that you're paying attention to what your kids mm-hmm. are doing. Yeah. And we, yeah. we have so many ch- children, teenagers and everything that have access to the internet, whether it's cell phone, tablet, computer, um, make sure that you're paying attention that you put on, uh, uh, blocks and, yeah. and different things because, um, it, it's so simple. And, uh, so that, that'd be the first thing I think, you know, fight, one way to fight it is to prevent it from ever happening. Yeah. And so uh, Christian parents, pay attention to your children. Yep. You're not a bad parent to limit their screen time and be watching over them and monitoring it. Yep. Uh, actually, that's that's being a good parent. So so do that. Yeah. And and just a, a side note with that, too, is I know some of you guys listening may think my kid would never do that. My kid's good. Yeah. They're disciplined. They tell me everything. Guys, I'm telling you, I was a very good kid as far as appearance comes out. I didn't do the, you know, the big bad sins and I, I stayed away from those. But when I got engaged in this. I hid it from my parents and I was really good about it and they never assumed that I would do it. And so it, it made it almost easier to get away with. So uh, I totally agree with you. You're not being a bad parent by putting up blockers, by putting up filters, assume that especially with influence from other friends and kids, I fell into it by curiosity from a cousin talking to me about it. That's exactly uh, how it happened. Yeah. For me too. I wasn't like looking to be super terrible and evil, um, but that's how it comes. And so don't just assume that your kid is too good for this or that they would never fall into it. Um, but set up safeguards. So uh, I, I want to make that side note too. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And that's why this first verse is so important because I think it, it makes sense and it, it brings home what we're just talking about how it 
it is, it's something any of us can deal yeah. with. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Amen. And I think this verse just screams, you are not alone. You're yep. not alone. Anything you're going to deal with, other people have dealt with or will deal with, and God is faithful still through He's that with you to, and, yep. to deliver you if you're willing to take that way of escape. But nobody listening to this, if you find yourself, man, I am locked up in this addiction, you are not alone. There are others going through it or have gone through it, and it definitely uh, needs to be addressed uh, for, again, the sanctification because that's the will of God for you. Right, absolutely. And so one of the things that God has provided for us in the way of escape is his truth, his word, and he yeah. tells us what is true. And so that's when we need to admit that porn is not real, it's a lie. Remember we talked about the statistics and mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of a lot of teenagers, a lot of young people and, and even some adults think that this is a real depiction of what sex is supposed to be like. Well, it's not, it's a lie. And one of the problems with it is I think explained really well in 2 Peter 2:19 where it says they promise them freedom but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. Yeah. And it can become very enslaving. That website you mentioned earlier, uh, the new drug. Yeah, fight the new drug. Fight the new drug. It talks about how pornography is very much like a drug, and it acts the same way, and we become addicted to it. And so the idea is this freedom. Well, it's not too bad, and I can do this, and it's not going to hurt anything. And the reality is it enslaves you. It's, yeah. it's sin. And so we have to admit it's not real. This is, this is something that it, it promises freedom, or it's, but it, that's a lie. Yep. It does, it, 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 what it promises, it will not deliver. And then we end up turning to it as a means of dealing with depression, anxiety, yeah. struggle, wh- whatever struggle it is. And then that can turn into the mm-hmm. out, which that's addiction 101, you it know, is. Is, is turning to something else to fill legitimate need. And in Psalm 119, verse 37, uh, the psalmist says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And so the idea, again, porn is not real. It's not good. What it depicts is, is wicked and evil. And it's not, it's not something that is honoring to God. In fact, it's dishonoring to God, dishonoring to others, dishonoring to yourself. It's a worthless thing. Yeah. And so we need to turn from that, acknowledge that it's just a lie, that it's worthless, it's no good. Turn from that thing and turn to the Lord. And then after recognizing that, we need to take responsibility for our sin in, in this category. I think there's uh, the temptation to want to blame media, to blame yeah. other people who showed me, whatever. And well, they made it. Yeah. And like, sure, that that's true. However, James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each person is tempted when he was lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. You don't see anything in there that blames other people. Now yep. there's different circumstances for how things came up again. It. When, yep. when it first hit me, it was not because I went and saw it on my own. I had a uh, you know, kind of birdie in my ear saying, go, go look at this. But at the end of the day, I chose to go back because it, I was tempted and lured by my own desire that was sinful and wicked. So we need to take responsibility. And when we look at it, we can't blame other people for our sin. Cause that is a, a great way to defer blame and keep engaging in that sin. Right. And, and some of the excuses that, that I've made that I made when I was, when I was mm-hmm. a teenager dealing with this, I've heard other people make even is, Things like, you know, well, I, 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 I messed up mm. or, uh, oh, yeah, I had a relapse or whatever. And we act like it's something we accidentally tripped into. It's not yeah. like you're just walking down the street and all of a sudden, boom, I accidentally fell into pornography. Yeah. You, know, you, you do seek it out. And so we have to take responsibility for our own sin and acknowledge that it is a me problem. Yep. Right, it, it is an issue in my heart, in my mind. It is a sin problem in my life. And remember, God always gives us the way out, right? From 1 Corinthians right. 10, 13, That's we right. have a way out. 
Yeah. So take responsibility for your own sin. So then we say, okay, and in doing that, the next step is confess your sin and repent. Mm-hmm. Right? Confess your sin and repent. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so go to God with he already knows anyway. But the act of confessing is ultimately agreeing with God about it, saying, God, I know that it's a sin. It's wrong. I'm not, I don't want to justify this anymore. I understand it's a wicked thing. And God is good and He is loving and forgiving, and He will forgive that sin, and He can cleanse us from it. And then second, uh, Timothy 2.22. So got a bunch of twos there. Yeah. It says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And so the idea is confess and repent. Repentance is turning from sin and turning to God. So flee these things. Like uh, Joseph, when he was in Potiphar, mm-hmm. Potiphar's house, and uh, Potiphar's wife got a hold of him, and she's like, sleep with me. And he tore loose, and she had his coat, and he was gone. Yep. He, fle- he fled. And so we see this idea of, of getting away from it. So confess, repent, get away from it. Uh, and pursue the Lord. And then from there, I think we need to ask God to help replace the bad with the good, right? We, we can't just get rid of the bad and, and replace it with nothing because generally the bad comes back. So we need to replace it with good. And we see that in Galatians five sixteen. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Amen. So we see as we're walking by the spirit, the, those fleshly desires go away. And Galatians five twenty four, just a few verses later, says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And actually one verse, we don't have this in here, but I just thought of it. It's one of my favorite verses, Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as we delight in God, as we spend time with him, our heart starts to change. And I I was just talking to a friend, just as a side note, uh, very recently, who's struggling through some of this stuff. And he was saying, man, it's just so hard because I feel like right now I'm I'm just white knuckling. I know that God's given me self-control to go away from, but it's I, like, if this is how it's always going to be, this is, this is tough. And, and what I wanted to you know, encourage him and remind him is it's not always, it's not always going to be this way as, as we're seeking God, he changes our hearts. That, that is such a lie from Satan that, yeah, when you're just getting out of it, that's tough. Cause you've built this habit, this addiction to sin that it doesn't just, you know, go away magically overnight for, for most people. Um, but it's not always going to be that way for pursuing the Lord. And I know you and I have both had evidence in our life of, you know, in a, in a lot of places where we've pursued God and then our heart has changed and we've wanted to do what God wants more. So it's not this white knuckle fighting against God all the time thing. We right. just have to let him change our heart. So that is, I think, truly that replacing the bad with the good by seeking the Lord and and his desires that will ultimately change our desires. Right. Yeah. So Romans 13, 14, along with that, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Yeah. So we want to be clothed with Christ. We want to make sure that we're spending time in his word and in prayer and really seeking him. And and so replacing the bad with the good is, is the act of the Holy Spirit changing us, sanctifying us, transforming us more into the image of Christ. And so we don't have time for that, that other stuff. You know, make no provision. Don't give the devil a foothold. Um, and so Psalm 119, 9 through 10, kind of practically in that, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And so there's this idea of replacing those, those wandering thoughts with the commandments of God. And then I think practically just uh, with this, Psalm 1, 103, verse 3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. So as you are are working through this, replacing the bad with the good is don't put those bad, worthless things in front of your eyes as much as you can control it. You know, so uh, and I think that kind of leads to some of our next points. But 
yeah, very unwise to go into those places or those situations that those worthless things or watching those shows even that, you know, have those sexually explicit material. And you're like, I'm not watching the show for that, but I know it's there. And so I'm just going to let it happen. That would be a very unwise uh, sinful thing for you to do, especially coming out of this kind of topic. Right. And, and what you see in those, both those Psalm passages that we just read, those are prayers. And so again, you're not doing this on your own. It's not about trying harder. It's about yeah. dying, uh, dying to self, you know, denying self and uh, trusting God, asking him to help you. And, and, and so that's what the Psalmist was doing there. And, and not only are we not to do it alone, we need God's help, but we can do it with others. Seek accountability is the last concept we want to throw out there on how to break free from pornography. If this is something you are struggling with. Um, James five sixteen it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so there's this idea that we are to confess this. One of the, one of the reasons that I think porn is also so prevalent and people aren't ever breaking free from it is there's a lot of shame and guilt associated yeah. with it and embarrassment. And so we don't want to tell the people about it. And, and, and a lot of times that's one of the things that Satan uses to keep us in bondage to mm-hmm. it. And we need to be able to share it, confess these sins to one another, um, share with other Christ followers and ask for their help. Ask them to pray for you. You struggle with temptation, text them, call them. Hey, I'm struggling right now. And that's, you know, something that we need to do as Christians is to seek accountability with any sin, but particularly one like this mm-hmm. that likes to hide in the darkness and in the shadows. And that's where it breeds and grows and manifests itself. Yep. And then lastly, Hebrews t- uh, 10, 24 through 25, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need that encouragement. We need to stir each other up. And we need to, uh, I love how um, the NIV says it, spur one another. Yeah. You know, it, we need to be there to help each other, uh, make sure that we are coming together, encouraging and holding each other accountable so that we can, um, through the power of Christ in us and through the power of Christ in each other, uh, work. Uh, toward uh, being faithful. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just as we, we finish off that concept too, from a, from a practicality standpoint is, you know, we try to be those, you know, if you're in the position of trying to get out of this, or if you're in a position of trying to spur one another on as someone to, you know, help with accountability, you know, I, I think just some practical steps that we've taken or seen, you know, I, I think a very clear one actually, as we brought up covenant eyes earlier, uh, find internet accountability that you just put in, um, Usually you have to pay a little bit for, but there's a lot of great programs out there that actually help you block access to any of that stuff. And it'll flag it and send it to accountability partners or even anything debatable. They're not sure. will send it. So then your accountability partner can check up on you. So sometimes coming out of this, it's just not even giving yourself access to that yeah. thing, right? We read that verse about not putting anything that's worthless in front of your eyes. Don't even give yourself the option to do it. Now we, we, <laughs> the hope is down the road that you will learn to hate the sin as much as God does. Um, and won't want to, but as long as the temptation is there, which it may be for quite a while, taking a practical step of blocking as- access to that as you're working it through with God and, and repenting and and having your heart changed, absolutely um, accountability that way is is an awesome step to take and one that I would encourage everyone to take in that. Absolutely. And and, and one other thing before you read the summary, Derek, that, that came to my mind as, as we were talking through all this and just practical steps, is sometimes it means we have to get rid of things. Mm, yeah. Um, casting down your idols. We talked about it being a sin of idolatry as well. And the idea of casting down their idols, they would actually destroy these things yeah. um, that were these images and different things. And one of the, one of the things that popped in my mind was the movie fireproof 
Mm. where there's his husband and he kept looking at pornography and their marriage was struggling because of it and so many things. And I don't think you know this. I think his wife knew and it was bothering yeah. her. But uh, the part that, that really stuck out to me was one day he was really working on the things we're talking about, trying to um, get freedom from this sin problem in his life. And uh, there was a temptation that popped up on his computer. And all of a sudden, you just see him grab up the computer and he takes it outside and pulls out a baseball bat and starts beating the tar out of this computer, just bat- beating it to death. And it's funny, his neighbor looks at him like, what the heck is this guy doing? He throws <laughs> yep. in the garbage. But then when his wife gets home, there's a note there where the computer was, it's gone. It just says, I love you more. Mm-hmm. The idea there was he was taken very seriously. And so, yes, you need to see accountability, but some of the other practical steps is, you know, maybe get rid of the thing that's causing you the problem in the first place. It's a hard issue. Yeah, it's my issue, but maybe there's a uh, maybe you don't need a smartphone. Maybe you yeah. need to go to a flip phone. Maybe you don't need a cell phone at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you don't need internet access at home. I know that a lot of that's inconvenient, um, but it's not too inconvenient if we're serious about our sin yep. and, and honoring our Savior. Yeah, it's it's definitely a matter of priorities. Is where does sanctification, where does being free of sin rank in your priorities compared to convenience? And uh, uh, something definitely worth considering. I appreciate you bringing up the the idol part of it. Cause I think there's times that people will want to, as they try to get out of this, just say, okay, well, God's going to change my heart and I can, I can do this and I can keep yeah. everything the same. And like that, there's truth to that, but you know, you didn't see the Israelites just keeping all their idols and still worshiping God. God condemned that, you know, get rid of those things that can lead you to sin. So, uh, I, I love that. So as we wrap up today, after studying the scriptures, it's abundantly clear that pornography is wrong. Porn is a sin against God, a sin against others, and even a sin against ourselves. When looking at the data and real-world statistics, it's undeniably clear that pornography is a much bigger problem than the world would like to admit. Engaging in pornography in any way goes against how God has designed human relations to be. It objectifies people, especially women, and God has created mankind in His image to be loved and honored. Porn is created to be addicting and is one of the biggest enslavers of modern-day humanity. It destroys true godly love because it's built upon selfishness, lust, and a lack of discipline, among other sins. This pervasive sin has taken hold of many in the world and even many in the church today. We ought to condemn this sin in its totality, but come alongside our brothers and sisters who have fallen into its vices and love them, encourage them, and plead with them to repent of their sin and take actionable steps to break out of an addiction that's in rebellion to God and has all the power to completely wreck their life. Thankfully, we have a forgiving God who has the power to completely transform our hearts from darkness to light. Christians need to be on guard against the ways that the enemy works in the realm of pornography, especially now that it's so commonplace and socially acceptable in all forms of media and way easier to access than anything like it should be. If you find yourself wrapped up in a pornography addiction, whether it's been a couple weeks or a couple decades, today can be the day that God delivers you from that sin. Confess it to him and confess it to another mature believer that you trust to keep you accountable. You are not alone, Christian or not, in this issue, and fighting sin with the community around you is much easier than trying to find it alone. That concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.